With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! You've heard about it, you've read about it, you've talked about it, and now you've found it. This is Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio, the largest radio social network in the world, with your host, Alan Smith. It's time to shut down that big rig, sit back, and come join the conversation. Truth About Trucking Live begins right now. Uh, yes, it did. Yes, it does. Here we are. Welcome back, everyone, to Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. I'm Alan Smith, along with Donna Smith, serving as your host for the program. Today is Thursday, April 10th, 2014, and uh, we have a great show planned for you this evening on a topic that is currently sweeping across the trucking social media sites. Great discussion throughout Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And in the beginning, it, it was ruffling a lot of feathers, but gradually we have seen more of those uh turning toward the idea, which was brought to the industry by our special guest for the evening, Mr. James Lamb, President of the Association of Independent Property Brokers and Agents, AIPBA. And that idea, of course, is a calling for more transparency within business practices between their brokers and truck drivers, and actually uh, a partnership, transparency between all parties involved with a brokered transaction, truth, integrity, moral ethics, I mean, what, what's wrong with that? Yet still, especially over on LinkedIn, uh, still a lot of opposition voicing uh, their uh, opinions to this transparency idea. So very interesting, don't you think? Especially when you consider that this transparency concept, uh, which has become known as the New Deal for the trucking industry, is actually already grounded in the broker regulations under 49 CFR 371.3. And... Uh, Donna, we've been, you and I, we've been writing, blogging, talking about transparency within industry for several years now, but I guess uh, jumping in here and taking it to a high level, I guess. So we're going to get to the real meat of the new deal on tonight's show. What do you think? Well, I'm pretty excited, and um, I can't wait to hear what James has to say. Uh, he's very passionate, and, um, uh, you know, really that's what we're about, too, and what we're known for, to stand up for what you believe and um, just just get as many people to understand your concepts and your beliefs uh, as possible. And I'll tell you what, with social media, of course, when we first started, social media didn't exist. Uh, but now you, you can, you, can uh, you know, reach tens of thousands of people in no time at all. And if you have something appropriate to speak about, people are going to listen. So I'm really excited also about this. 
Well, it's going to be a great show coming your way with our special guest, president of the Association of Independent Property Brokers and Agents and DOTAuthority.com to discuss his new deal for the industry, fighting back for small brokers and truck drivers and uh, shippers, uh, everyone across the board, a partnership, like I said. So through the Small Business and Transportation Coalition, and uh, we'll be talking about that. Also outline how this will roll down to the company driver and increase truck driver pay. So a lot to talk about. Mr. James Lamb for our broadcast this evening, AIPBA President Calls for Trucking Broker Transparency. And it's all coming up next on Truth About Trucking Live. You're listening to Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Alan Smith will be right back. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here with Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Have you been driving a big rig for a while now and considering starting your own business as an owner-operator? Well, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing offers the best lease purchase plan in the industry. With a small down payment and monthly payments around $1,000 or less, you make the monthly payment and when the final payment is made, they hand over the title. It really is that simple. There is no big balloon payment at the end, and secondly, the truck is yours, not a lease plan under one truck and company. So if becoming an owner-operator is your goal, do it the right way. Do it the best way. Contact Lone Mountain Truck Leasing on the web at LoneMountainTruck.com or give them a call toll-free at 866-512-5685. That's LoneMountainTruck.com. And be sure to tell them that you heard about them on Truth About Trucking Live. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here from Truth About Trucking Live and AskTheTrucker.com. And I want to tell you about TCRG Consulting. TCRG is a division of Transportation Compliance Resource Group. And with over 30 years of compliance and regulatory training and consulting, they are the company that can help you from the very startup of your new trucking commercial business to keeping your company compliant and up-to-date on the ever-changing federal motor carrier regulations. Their goal is to help their clients to comply with the FMCSRs. TCRG Consulting makes your DOT compliance easy and understandable, and they work hard to prevent interruption of your daily operations. So if you're having trouble with DOT, just think TCRG. Their services include obtaining DOT numbers, obtaining operating authority, new entrant carrier setup and training, driver qualifications, driver drug and alcohol training, maintenance records, CSA carrier reviews and counseling, data queue filings, plus a whole lot more. Their online special for drivers and owner-operators is offering a yearly consulting service for only $99. So for $99 a year, you have access to online compliance chat, free telephone consultations up to 15 minutes per call, data queue filings, and you'll be able to keep up with the ever-changing regulations with an expert, not the guy or gal in the truck next to you. So for more information, go to their website at tcrgconsulting.com or Email them at regguy at comcast.net. You can get a quote or ask an online question. So remember, if you're having trouble with DOT, just think TCRG. TCRG Consulting, information and assistance to help you comply. Check them out, tcrgconsulting.com. 
This is Truth About Trucking Live with Alan Smith. To be a part of the program, call in now at 347-826-9170. Skype users can call in by clicking on the Skype button on our show page. To be a sponsor of the show, email Donna at info at truthabouttrucking.com. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back. Our guest, James Lamb, president of AIPBA. James, uh, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Alan, uh, and good evening to you and uh, to you as well, Donna. Great to be back. Hi, James. Yeah, it's great. Are you uh, are you down South Florida now? I am. I'm uh, in lovely Fort Lauderdale, 74 degrees uh, here, currently sunny skies. So uh, we're uh, we're doing just fine down here in South Florida. Yeah, good old Sunshine State. Well, listen, we're uh, we're going to do our best to get through a lot of information this evening. Uh, now, last week, uh, uh, Don and I got dropped, and uh, that's only happened like three times in eight years. But if you don't if you don't hear me speaking or I get dropped again, well, you you just keep on a roll, and we'll get back on as soon as we can. But uh, I'm I'm foreseeing that that's not going to happen. But I'll give you a heads up just in case. All right, fair enough. Hey, though, uh, those who are still wondering what exactly this new deal and transparency is all about, I mean, you're a pretty busy guy. You know, you were the AIPBA, uh, now the Small Business and Transportation Coalition. You have the new brokerage, 12PL. I guess all of this is working to- together uh, towards this uh, transparency idea for brokers and, the, you know, what we're all going to be discussing about. Um, what why do you see the need for transparency in the first place? And how does the AIPBA, the coalition, the 12PL, all come into play with one another? Well, you know, as you've said, uh, Alan, I, I've worn quite a few hats in this industry over the years. And I can tell you that, uh, you know, over the last 20 years, my career started as a DOT investigator. And uh, so I've uh, done everything from public service to private service, uh, you know, private sector, owning your own business, uh, helping folks start their own businesses as dotauthority.com. And so I've kind of sat back and I've watched what has happened over the last, oh, 20 years or so as, uh, you know, wearing all these different hats. And I can tell you that having been on the motor carrier side first, I guess, as, as people would typically put it, uh, helping folks start up their motor carrier businesses, getting their authority and their DOT numbers. And then some folks have said, I've switched hats over to the broker side, starting the AIPBA when small brokers came, as we believe, under attack by big business and trying to put them out of business with the higher bond. And now some folks are saying, well, kind of, James, it looks like you're kind of swinging the pendulum back the other way. And you're, you know, you're going back toward the trucker side. And one of the things that I said today, as a matter of fact, on LinkedIn, is I said, you know, the way I operate, what I do is I, I call it as I see. And whatever the issue is, and it doesn't matter if it's transparency or if it's motor carrier safety, e-logs, whatever the issue is, I'm going to look at it and analyze it. I'm going to say, here's what I think. And sometimes truckers are going to like that, and sometimes truckers are not going to like it. Two weeks ago, as we know, when we started talking about um, e-logs and, and how I said that, uh, you know, there was a significant concern about why people were opposing that and why, uh, you know, what the real reason was. Was it because some truckers might not be able to fudge on their logs 
anymore because of this system. Uh, as you know, that whole topic, and it wasn't very popular with truckers at the time, um, some truckers, but that whole topic led to this other discussion of, well, then, if people are cheating on their logs, what's the root cause of that? And as we started to let this whole topic uh, kind of unfold, we learned that, well, there is a significant pay issue for drivers, and something we've known about for quite some time, but no one's ever really taken the bull by the horns and said, well, let's do something about it. And when we look at all of these problems that we're talking about, things about the motor carrier safety, you know, everything from hours of service to uh, driver pay to broker issues and how brokers and truckers interact, it seemed to me over the last month or so that it's all related. It's all connected. And if we start to kind of chip away at, you know, one of these problems, we can kind of see what these root causes are and how we can address some other issues that are out there in the industry. And we might be able to come up with a program that actually solves a whole heck of a lot of problems. And I think that's what we're going to be doing here with this transparency and transportation. Well, it's interesting the first thing you said when you were speaking and you were saying, you know, people were saying, well, you're – you were over here on the broker side, and now you're flopping over here to the trucker side. Now you're going over here to the motor carrier side. Why this mentality of, you know, us against them, you know, drivers against dispatchers, dispatchers against drivers, drivers against brokers, and on and on and on? You know, it seems like that's been going on for three decades now. I mean, it's, it's an odd thing for an industry that is so large where everybody who should be working together um, is, is, is like a – competing and against each other. I mean, why that? Why does that mentality exist, do you think? That, that, that's exactly the heart of the matter. I think that's the essence of this entire conversation and this entire problem that we're, we're dealing with. And I think there's a few different facets that, that come into play. Number one is how we treat each other. And that, that pertains to both how a broker, for instance, on, on the one quote side, uh, treats a trucker, an independent trucker, or his carrier, uh, and then how the trucker treats the broker, you know, on on the uh, other end. And so what we're trying to get at here is this, this common theme, and, and it has a whole bunch of different buzzwords that we're using, and you're seeing them on social media every day. And it's everything from this partnership theme to teamwork and, you know, justice and a whole bunch of just different words that pretty much all talk about this, the same idea or the same concept that everybody that's working in this industry is working really on the same team. And it's really about being in the supply chain team. And you all, you know, play a, a role, whether you're a broker or whether you're a carrier, whether you're a company driver, an owner-operator, leased on, independent trucker. You know, no matter what role that you do play, you're an important part of this industry and you're an important part of this supply chain that American consumers depend on and, and count on to get our freight from point A to point B and into the stores. So, you know, if we're all part of this team, it just seems to me that we just got to embrace this concept of being partners in business. And that's the whole theme for the Small Business and Transportation Coalition, SBTC. The idea is to break down from the very beginning this mentality that has been perpetuated uh, for many years, as you said. Some of the problem, you know, has to do with how the trade groups representing these respective constituencies have acted uh, toward each other. 
And, you know, um, when we first started working as AIPBA four years ago, when we put this group together, we, we looked at this from the perspective of, wow, you know, OIDA is really going after brokers on this fraud issue. And, you know, there are, of course, we know there's fraud in the industry, but, you know, there's also these issues of $500,000 proposed bond by OIDA. Well, was that really about fighting fraud, or was that really more about implementing a policy of what we call disintermediation, removing the, the intermediaries from the equation? And, you know, a lot, of, a lot of folks that are out there that are truckers, that have some bad experiences with, uh, with brokers, it might be that they just didn't get all the information that they would have liked to have had, right down to they feel like they, they got ripped off and they didn't even get paid. And, you know, those are some really horrible situations, and no one is supporting that type of lack of integrity and, and that type of, uh, you know, business dealings with each other. So what we're trying to get at is what are the problems that truckers have had with brokers, brokers have had with truckers, and how can we kind of chip away at those and, and raise this notion that we're really on the same team and that we should start acting like and one of the things that, that I've said on the broker side as the president of the Small Brokers Association is if we're hearing from truckers that they have to cheat on their law, now not everybody's doing it, right, but to some people who are, are actually publicly posting this on social media, yes, I am cheating. And the reason why I'm cheating is because I can't make enough money. Well, then there's a problem in this industry, and the industry itself has to deal with these problems. Because, Alan, you know, what happens here in, typically in, in, uh, in government and in the industry is that the industry ignores problems to the point where the government can no longer ignore them. And then if we don't fix the problems, then they're going to fix the problems. And most of the people I think listening here probably don't always agree with the way that the government decides to fix the problem. I can tell you that I'm sure there's a lot of truckers who feel that way when it comes to ELOMs, and there's a heck of a lot of brokers, or I should say former brokers, 8,200 of them, that were put out of business in December because the government decided it had a great way to fix the problem. So what we're looking at here is people in trade group positions and other leadership positions like truck media, like you, Alan, where we have the ability to, uh, to have the platform to to uh, relay these ideas to other members of the industry, we have a responsibility here to fix this stuff. Because if we don't fix it, you know, then uh, then the government's going to try to take us down. Yeah, and uh, I think we can all agree we don't with the government. When they jump in, things are get messed up, and we certainly don't need any more regulations. And that's what I found really most interesting about about your small business and transportation coalition. I mean, you're wanting to bring about this change uh, you know that you're saying will will benefit uh, the brokers and the drivers and the shippers will benefit all the partners uh, that come into play in this. But you're doing it. You're wanting to do it without new taxes, new regulations. It's all voluntary, and that uh, that that is what I found to be the most interesting part about all this. That's well, right. I, I, Go ahead, Tom. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, the great thing about that is when it's not regulatory, there's nobody to lobby. I mean, <laughs> this is just, you know, you either you either go for it or you don't. And nobody, no matter what the, 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 the amount of money in Washington can't change uh, people's minds. 
That's exactly right. You know, we uh, we talked a, a couple of days ago on social media about how there was an attempt by the trucking side to force this level of transparency a few years back. And there was a, um, a law that was proposed. It was called TRUCC, Truck Act, and uh, the Transportation Intermediaries Association, the then only organization representing third-party intermediaries, including brokers, uh, was, was vehemently against it. And uh, the whole concept was that you could put the, the actual broker's margin on the, the shipping paperwork, and then everybody would know, you know what's going on. And big brokers, through their trade group TIA, lost their money, and they spent a lot of money lobbying against us. Now, for this time around, with us, we're not proposing anything like that. We're not asking for a law. We're not asking to shove this down anybody's throat. What we're doing is we're saying, look, here's the plan. The idea here is that if small and mid-sized brokers, who I happen to believe in talking to my members, are earning a commission of anywhere between, I don't know, 10 and 15%, if these people are already earning what I think is a fair and reasonable and customary commission. Why wouldn't they want to tell the truckers what they're doing? Now, there's a level of distrust on both sides that we know about. We have to address that. We have to get around that and fix that. And I think that if the brokerage community were to take the first step and they were to say, look, here's what we're making, and not only to the trucking side, but to the shipping side, their clients, then all of a sudden that would be a whole new deal. That would be a new deal in the context of, wow, this broker is open, honest, there's disclosure, there's this, there's this level of transparency. They're not trying to pull anything on me. And as long as the paperwork is legit, no one's you know messing around with that, and there's ways that we can figure that kind of stuff out, as long as that's, that's really above board, then shippers are going to say, you know what, I kind of like this, because now I know if I'm overpaying. Now I know how much of what I'm paying is going to the truck and how much of it is going to the, the actual broker that I'm doing business with. And I put on uh, social media today, as a matter of fact, responding to, to one big broker um, representative who doesn't like this at all, and um, I basically said something to the effect of, you know, when, when we go to a real estate broker, and we decide that we're going to do business, whether we're buying a house or we're selling a house. Let's say we're selling it. We know what the real estate broker is going to charge. It's part of the deal. It's the, the percentage commission is known in advance, and it's agreed upon. I will sell your house in exchange for a such-and-such such percent commission, whatever it is. And as, as a uh, customer of a stockbroker, it's the same thing. If I go to my stockbroker then we have a deal. He's going to buy and sell stocks for me. He's going to uh, give me some consultation. He's going to lead me where he thinks, you know, whether it's a, you know, a, a bear market or not. He's going to basically say you want to be conservative. You, do you not want to be conservative? How do, you, how do you want to do your investment platform? And ultimately, he's going to tell me what he's going to charge in exchange for doing trades for him. So it's all out there in the open. In our industry, we don't do that. And I think that if we started to do that, then we would see a lot of things change, including people's attitudes towards each other. Now, the way that this is going to work 
is we're going to unleash this ourselves. We're going to launch a brokerage. We already have a brokerage MC number for quite a long time, for 10 years actually. starts with a four, the MC number. And we're going to release this brokerage brand as 12PL. not going to tell you today what 12PL stands for. I'm going to leave you hanging for a little bit longer. But, oh, uh, man, I, that, that was one of my questions. <laughs> <laughs> not going to tell you, no. Um, okay. There's a re- uh, we need another 30 to 60 days before we're ready to, to, to release that information. But, uh, but obviously it's a play on the term 3PL, and you can see that it's taking it to the next level. And so as we launch this brand and as we launch our slogan, Transparency Starts Here, we're going to be transparent. And we're going to go to shippers, and we're going to say, here's what we're going to charge you. And we're going to go to truckers, and we're going to say, here's what we're charging our shipper. Here's what we're going to pay you. This is our percentage. And there's going to be ways for them to check that out. We'll, we'll show them the documents with, that we send to the uh, the shipper. In fact, we know, as we were talking today on social media, that the, the carrier has the right to that information anyway under the right. uh, CFR of 371.3. So we're going to do that. And once we do that and we believe other AIPBA members are going to say, you know what, that's a good idea. Because, you know, those big brokers, what they're doing is they're hiding and we know from public filings that they've said they're trying to score an average of 22.5%. So if we're charging, I don't know, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14%, somewhere in that range, then if we don't hide it and the other guys are hiding it, well, then everybody's going to want to work with us. And after a while, after dealing with enough people and enough other small brokers doing this, then it's going to catch on and eventually shippers going to say, what do you mean, big broker, you're not going to tell us what your commission is? Don't you know that that's what brokers do now? And once that happens, then that's going to force big brokers to reevaluate what they charge. And as we do this, we're going to make it more lucrative for owner-operators to go out and get their own authority. And they're going to then do business with brokers under this paradigm, and they're going to make more money than they could by being a leased owner-operator or a company driver. And that was the essence of my whole private sector experience to begin with as DOTAuthority.com. Be your own boss, make more money, and essentially at the time, cut out the middleman. Who was the middleman? The carrier. Be your own carrier. And so, you know, once that happens, then especially in this environment, we're going to see, especially in this driver shortage capacity crunch environment, we're going to see the recruiters at the truck shows and, and advertising in the publications, they're going to lose their mind because they're going to say, oh, my God, you know, all these people are going and they're getting their own authority because they can make more money because now brokers tell them what they're making. And they are making more money as a result of it because brokers are charging a reasonable commission. And when that happens, recruiters are going to say, well, the only way we can compete with, with this whole model is if we pay company drivers more. And if we pay lease the owner operators more. And that's the way they're going to get people to come back and be drivers. And it's going to pull up the entire driver pay. Doesn't matter whether you have your own authority, your lease on, or company driver, you're going to make more money because brokers decide to become transparent. All right. And these uh these transparent brokers that come on board, I mean, obviously they'll They'll be making more money due to uh, just the volume alone. I mean, they'll 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 see more uh, more more freight moving, more volume, which will uh, take that away from the market share. And those who are kind of left behind and don't want to join, it, it actually you know, it's just going to kind of have to kind of force them to 
to to follow the model or just go out of business and I guess, huh? That, that's exactly right. And, you know, what we're trying to do in talking to our broker members as we're, you know, forwarding, moving forward with this, this plan and, and as we're trying to sell our own broker members on this, we're saying you got to do a couple of things here. Number one, you got to stop thinking about your rate. Don't worry about your rate. Don't worry about whether it's 15% or 12%. You know, those of you who are trying to get 40% out of the deal, I mean, you're out of your mind to begin with because you're either, you know, hurting the shipper or you're hurting the truck or both, and you're probably stealing the fuel surcharge on top of it, you know. So we're saying for those of you who are reasonable and you're already charging, a, you know, a reasonable rate, just keep doing what you're doing. And for those of you who have been charging a higher rate, come down to this rate, and you're going to see that more people are going to want to work with you because you're transparent, and, yes, more money is going to come more than you ever made out of the volume, and the second thing is that you're going to take some market share away from the people that are on the big brokerage side who refuse to embrace the model. You're going to take those people trying to make 22.5%, 25%, 30%, and you're going to basically take over their business, and you'll make more money there. Well, now, are you trying to make it fair all the way across the board? Because we heard from one driver, and I could I – he was a little little wild in a way but he he had a point where you know you know business isn't fair you know i mean you know it's uh you know the strong survive the weak fail you know he he was an independent uh owner operator he said you know i i decide my loads you know i i handle my finances you know all the way across the board business shouldn't be fair i mean that's just you know the truth about business I mean, do you see this as, as an attempt to try and to make it fair all the way across the board for everyone? Well, you know, we're, what we're trying to do here is we're trying to make blanket statements. We're trying to make, you know, uh, average type of assessments. And we know that the industry is not like that. We know that sometimes in a, in a world without transparency, sometimes brokers make, you know, 20%, sometimes they make 3%. You know, so uh, it all depends on the lane, and it depends on the time of the year, and it depends, you know, on all, all of the conditions that affect supply and demand. So equipment type and, and the like. So, you know, we're, what we're trying to do is we're trying to say fairness really needs to be a subjective matter, or the, what percentage of a uh, broker or, or what percentage that a broker takes on, on a particular load that's subjective. I'm not going to come out and say, as the president of the AIPBA, this is the percentage and this is what's fair. Anybody who goes above this, you're bad. And anybody who goes below this, you're not a good business person. I'm going to basically say that it's all a matter of subjective assessment on the basis of the two parties getting together and knowing what is going on in the market, knowing what the conditions are, and, and ultimately just agreeing on whatever that percentage is. Look, if for a particular load, for on a particular lane at a particular time of the year, if the broker says, you know, I think what's fair is, you know, 9%, then, then that's, and then the, the truck agrees, then that's fine. And if it's the same truck and it's six months later and it's the same lane but things have changed and he says, you know, well, it's more like 16%, you know, if the two of them agree on that, then that's what's important because, it, it's a matter of not withholding the information. It's more along the lines 
of disclosure and everybody having the information that they need in order to make, you know, the proper business decisions. Remember, we're partners on a team. And if we're partners, if you had a business partner, for instance, look at you and, and Donna. I mean, the two of you are, are business partners, right, in what you do. And imagine if one of you made a decision and had information and didn't share it with the other internally, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do that to your business partner. Well, what's the difference between your external business partner? Your truck, when you're a broker, is your partner. I don't know about other brokers, but I don't want to have – as I launch 12PL, all these truckers taking my shipper's freight on board their truck, and I'm, I'm, I'm holding them accountable and responsible and relying on them and trusting that they're going to get the freight to the destination on time and in good condition. I don't want them being pissed off at me. I don't want them to hate me. I don't want them to be my adversary. I want them to be my business partner because our goal is to get the freight from the point of origin to the point of destination, and we're all on that same page. That's what we're all working towards, and we should all make a fair amount of money. I have a question. Yeah, and, and yeah, just just and yeah, and I was just going to say on on the basis of that fairness, and then Donna, you can jump in here. I was just going to add uh, the market will still set the rate. So I mean, there's no monopoly being set here or nothing like that. I mean, the market sets the rates, and the partners agree and they roll with it. So. Anyway, go ahead, Donna. Oh, okay. Well, I have a question that just came in through Facebook, um, and I, I, I'm going to read it. How is the broker going to show absolute proof of transparency? Um, so I guess maybe that that isn't clear yet. Um, you want to answer that, James? Well, a lot of a lot of this is going to be, you know, uh, this is broad general stuff that we're talking about. And now we're in the in the phase of filling in these details, and it's good, you know, to hear these types of questions. But, you know, ultimately we already have a regulation, and the regulation essentially says that upon demand, a carrier or independent trucker can go to a broker, and with respect to a transaction that they were involved with, they have the right to receive upon request these shipping documents. And so it's actually a freight bill, a uh, you know, an invoice basically to the shipper is the document. And so that's the same rule or the or I should say it's the it's the same premise that we see in another part of the regulations that has to do with how owner operators that are leased on and their carriers that they're leased to are supposed to behave and are supposed to do do business. And it says in that rule in a different part of the regulations, that when a carrier is going to tell an owner-operator, I will pay you based on a percentage of the load, then guess what? You have a right to see the actual paperwork for the load. And that means I'm going to show you what I'm either uh, getting paid by my broker or by a carrier or by a shipper, I should say, if, if I'm doing business directly with that. So it's, it's all based on you know that particular document. Now, what we have to do here is we have to move forward in a way so that people are open but honest and no one's forging documents because we can see that can start to come down the pipe. And ultimately, you know, that's, that's going to be the challenge, how we deal with those little details and how we get to, to that point where we need to be. Okay. Um, listen, we better – I've got a lot of callers on here. I'm going to try to get some of them in here. Uh, 
uh, North Dakota, Indiana, Oregon, Delaware, Texas. Let's see, the first one up, North Dakota, area code 701. Go ahead. Welcome to the show. Thanks for holding. Hi, this is Deb. Oh, hey, Deb. Hey, Deb. The one who hates being micromanaged. <laughs> the, the what? Uh, I hate being micromanaged. I've had to, my company that I am leased to, get these loads through this one brokerage. And besides having the ungodly amount of stupid-ass paperwork, they mm-hmm. also micromanage you. They're always calling, wanting your ETA. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I have had enough. I'll get there when I get there. It's not like the plant shutting down. You know, because I have called the plant to get directions. I have spoken with the people where I unload my product at. I said, do you need this real bad? Are you almost out? No, we got lost. We get it in there on a daily basis. So why the micromanagement? Why are you bothering me? I mean, I could see bothering me after two days, but not after four hours into the trip. So well, as, as, uh, I, like, as I get the, the impression here, she's, she's a, an owner-operator leased onto a carrier, and then the bro- there's a broker involved in getting the carrier loads. Is that, is that right? Yeah, my, my dispatcher gets loads through this broker. And it's just this one broker that I've ever had to do this with. And this is the second time I've had to deal with it. And I'm like, you know, when I get stopped, I, I pulled into my unloading spot. I got there at 1245, and I did not get out of there till after 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Pretty soon after the first 15 minutes, I'm going to start. I know who the broker is. I'm going to start calling her and going, hey, I've been here 15 minutes. Can you give me an ETA to my unload time? I, I think you posted something on LinkedIn the last 24 hours, didn't you? Yeah, I did, because it's just it's one of those questions that I have. I understand where you're coming about being this transparency and everything, and I get that. And my dispatcher, when he gives me a load, I know what the rate is. I know all of that crap, so I don't worry about it. But what I worry about is this stupid micromanagement crap, because it will drive me crazy. All right, so, you know, as what I'm, what I'm hearing, I guess, is that there's one particular broker you're having an issue with, and most of the time it's not an issue, but it's an exceptional circumstance. And, you know, I, I guess the, the way I would try to flip this around, and, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say whether it's a good thing that they're micromanaging you or a bad thing. I mean, that, I don't know any of the real details to this, but, but let me kind of flip it around and say that, you know, when brokers and, and truckers are, are doing business and they're dealing with each other, one of the things that, you know, we try to talk about the value of a broker being involved in the equation here, and it's not only the fact that, you know, brokers have a bond that you could file a claim against if you don't get paid and, and chippers don't if you work directly with chippers. I've used that one for a long time. But it's also a matter of you're, you're outsourcing, uh, you know, when you're the actual independent owner-operator dealing directly with the uh, – broker, you're outsourcing two functions to the broker so that you don't have to handle those functions either yourself while you're driving or having to hire somebody to do those functions. And those functions are sales and customer service. And so we don't know what's going behind the scenes in this case and whether the, you know, the shipper is giving the, uh, the broker a hard time and, and they're putting a lot of pressure on him. But the good news is that the broker is handling that for the trucker and, in this instance, the carrier. And, you know, they're fielding those, those issues, presumably. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but you have a partner in place who's handling the real consumer of your services, and that is the ship. I need to make something really clear here. 
because this is not like pulling a dry van or reefer. I pull a grain hopper. The stuff that they use of mine, I usually know when it's something that they need right away because I, I, in my line of work, we don't get messages over the Qualcomm that give us all our directions and all that fun stuff. We actually have to call somebody and talk with them. And I always talk with the people who are in charge of the product that I'm going to be unloading or loading. And this is how come I know if a plant is going to shut down or not. Do you need me? If you need me, hell yeah, I'll get it there legally and as fast as possible. But if your plant is not going to shut down, and in fact, if you have more product than you know what to do with, why are you calling me every two, three hours finding out what's my ETA? Well, yeah, you know, it, it, go ahead, Alice. Uh, I was just going to say, um, Michael wants to, again, I'm I'm looking at Facebook and people are commenting here. Um, Deb, he wants to tell you, I pull over when I get broker calls. Your load is going to be late equal to how much time I talk with you. And that's just something he wanted to say. I guess he's in the queue and he's just waiting and he wanted to reply to you. Who was that now? Now, that's Michael Harrington. Oh, Okay. All right. Uh, I don't know. I guess it's just a track. Uh, you know, I'd ask a broker. Um, anyway, got to move on. Got a lot of callers. Uh, let's say go. Let's go to Indiana area code two six zero. Welcome to the show. Hey, this is Ben. Hey, Ben. Hey, how's it going? Good, good. Donna asked my first question for me, uh, and I went ahead and queued up to maybe get some clarification. Okay. Oh, sure. Go ahead. So my position is I, I'm an owner-operator. I'm leased onto a real small carrier. And how they eliminate or how they prove transparency is before I even move to go pick up a load, I have the, the broker's rate confirmation in my hand or emailed to me where so I'm looking at it. So I'm wondering how is the broker, are, are the, uh, you know, are they talking about, for brokers, transparency, are they going to do the same thing? Because, I mean, it, the whole upon request thing seems real shady, and it, it would I think it would eliminate a lot of things if they were up front and say, here, here's, here's you're going to have the documents right here in front of you. Well, that, yeah, that's and, 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 yeah, go ahead, James. Out. I was just saying that that's what you're working towards, right? That's exactly right. That's going to be the model, you know, on, on the broker side. So, you know, we're, we're confusing a lot of different things here because of the fact that, you know, people are in different positions. So, you know, what we're, we're dealing with here is on the one hand, we're talking about brokers being transparent, and on the other hand, we're talking about uh, carriers being transparent toward their leased owner-operators. So, you know, that particular matter is not something that, you know, I'm, I'm involved with and I can't really control that. I can point to the truth of leasing regulations as to what you're entitled to. But, you know, the context of the transparency that we're talking about is basically between broker and carrier. And one word that I would say to this particular owner-operator is that if he is leased on with a carrier that's not being transparent toward him, and he's not getting any satisfaction when he brings up the uh, truth and leasing regulations. In that case, he's always free to go to my company, DOTAuthority.com, and get his own authority. <laughs> and, and we can then hook him up with a transparent broker. You know, see how that works? It all is tucked in. 
And, uh, so, and it you know, is all tied in. It is. From, it is. from soup well, to nuts, it's tied in. That's right. Well, I just, I just kind of see a loophole in there where your brokerage could essentially set up two companies in one where you have one arm that goes out and, and goes to the shippers and books the, the stack of loads, and then they sell it to their other arm, or the, you know, the other side of the office, who dispatches out those loads to the carriers. You know, so then you have two companies in one, and of course each each one has to make make money. So then they, you know, in that whole process, they are breaking down the rate that actually came from the shipper. Yeah, you know, there there seems to be this general level of distrust, and and you know, people are wary about how this is going to work and whether it's going to work and whether it's going to be real and whether people are going to be honest about it. I can't guarantee you that every broker from this point forward, after we launch, quote, the new deal, everyone is going to do this the right way. What I'm telling you is that we're going to launch a brokerage called 12PO. The theme is transparency starts here, and there's no games that we're going to play. It's going to be very basic stuff, and we're going to be dealing with people with high integrity, and we're going to be talking with people in terms of giving them the information that they've wanted all along. You know, what makes this ripe and what makes this such a wonderful idea is that it's what everybody wants. It's what people have been asking for for years. There was an attempt to force it by legislation, and the lobby group TIA killed it, you know, as as being forced. But now we're doing it as voluntary. And we're going to basically say we're going to do it, and we're going to encourage other people. As the president of AIPBA, I'm going to say, members, you should do this too. You don't have to, but I think you're going to benefit from it, volume, taking market share away from people who are not doing it. And ultimately, I think if, you, if we do this right, then, you know, as owner-operators with their own authority and small carriers start to do business with, they're going to say, you know what, this looks legit. This looks like this is the real deal. And you know how I can tell? Because I'm getting paid because I'm making more money than I was. And what that means is that there were brokers out there that were making more than 10 to 15%, and they just couldn't, they couldn't tell me because then I'd have a heart attack on them over how much they were taking. It's the same old problem that we've always had. But once we're honest and open and disclosing it, here's the, the rate confirmation, here's the, you know, the copy of the bill of lading, um, you know, then, then that's where, where this comes into play. Now, on the broker side, we've got to talk about some other things like back solicitation and trying to cut out the middleman and pulling the rug out under, you know, from under the, the actual broker. You know, there's legitimate concerns that we're going to have as a broker. All right. Um, okay, Ben, thanks. I appreciate it. Let's go to... Um, uh, next one up, uh, Oregon, area code 971. Welcome to the show. Hey, this is Michael Harrington. So, hey, Michael. I'm the, uh, the politician trucker. So <laughs> my view on this is free market, free market, free market. When anybody can be a broker, when everybody can get loads from the companies, we're going to see the prices go down. We're going to see the, the profit margins drop from that 15% or that 30%, whatever percent we're talking, to levels where people are starting to say, okay, this is this is my bottom line. I don't go below this. If I can't, well, I'm going to get into a different business kind of thing. And that that's how we get this kind of a problem situated out. This is how we solve it. It's that simple. 
you're saying with this new deal? I'm saying that, that when being a broker is easy, when we have it set up so that the free market accommodates people that want to be brokers, that we're going to see the, the profit margins on these brokers go down. Right now, we've got a bad system set up where that's not going to happen. But, you know, change will eventually happen. Okay, so... Don, I was going to say along those along those lines, it, it sounds like you know the the issue is kind of related to our loss of 8,200 brokers. So if I'm understanding him correctly, what it appears that he's saying is that uh, as we add more brokers into the equation, then there's more competition, and in that case, then the uh, the brokers have to be more competitive in in their rates rather than what we were talking about that we were worried about and basically what what is starting to happen here, which is that we lost 38% of the industry, and now there's not enough brokers relative to what there were, and now bigger brokers can command higher rates from shippers and pay charters less. So this whole transparency thing is intended to balance that out and to retaliate. Well, you know, as far as transparency goes... Uh, I'm not so sure, you know, that we should be transparent because businesses have their edges. They have their secrets. They have their methods, okay? But what we should do is we should say, you know, this is not cool cutting 38%. So we need to do something that makes it 200% of what it was. We need to make it easier to get into this business. We need to make it so that that the carriers understand what they're getting into, what the independent drivers know what they're getting into, what the shippers and receivers know what they're getting into, and make it so that there's less of a uh, regulatory burden and more ease of access into the industry. So less barriers to entry is what you're saying. Yeah, and, and you know, make it so that it's easier for anybody to get involved because there is a lot of money involved in this. Believe me, I've seen some of the money that some of these companies can make. I've seen the actual bills, and it, it is large. That's what I've spent the last 10 years trying to do, put more people into business and, and help them pursue the American dream and become entrepreneurs. So I'm with you on that. And it doesn't matter whether you're an owner-operator who's thinking about getting your own authority or if you're you know, just a would-be entrepreneur with or without transportation experience that is looking to become a, uh, a broker. You know, we, we testified two weeks ago in front of FMCSA as AIPBA uh, at Mass, and we basically said, look, the three-year experience requirement that now is going to be required as a result of MAP 21 for brokers, that should be basic experience, basic business experience. Because if you have experience in sales and, and customer service, those are the skill sets that are, are related to being a broker. Let's not create barriers to entry so the big boys can be, you know, by themselves in a, in a multi-billion dollar club, which is basically what it is, uh, and, and run, the, run the industry and control all the shots. Competition is what keeps everybody honest, and it's what keeps prices relatively low. And that's not only prices for, uh, for shippers, but ultimately consumers in terms of the prices that we all pay. Yeah, because, I'm, uh, you know, I've seen bills of lading where there's $1,500, $1,800 per day going into the, to the load. And, you know, that does add up to the bottom line on everything. 
But it, it's also a situation where if the driver's not getting the full percentage of it, you know, there there is a, uh, you know, problem there because with the truck costs increasing, you know, where we have to pay 150, uh, you know, 50000 now for, for a truck and trailer compared to what it was, you know, this is making a, a dynamic that makes it harder for the owner-operators to be able to succeed and it, ultimately going to lead to more of the large companies and less of the owner-operators, which is, to me, just a, a silly dynamic. I guess the, uh, you know, the theme of transparency is aimed toward increasing driver pay. And it doesn't matter whether he's a company driver or whether she's an owner-operator uh, leased on or whether we're talking about, you know, someone starting off their own carrier business with their own authority. The point here is that transparency is going to keep people honest. It's going to keep people reasonable and fair. And when people are reasonable and fair in the brokerage industry, especially, you know, the bigger brokerages that, that tend to try to hide this stuff, when the smaller brokers are charging 10 to 15%, they'll tell you. And, and you know, even uh, Todd Spencer uh, said from Oida not too long ago, 2009, I don't have the quote in front of me here, but uh, something to the effect of uh, it's better to, to do business with a smaller broker. It, that The smaller broker should be the first call you make, he said, uh, because, you know, they're more likely to, to establish a mutually profitable relationship uh, with you. So, you know, that, that's where we're going with this. If, if brokers are more transparent, then it's going to trickle down to basically the, you know, the entry-level company driver, the kid right out of school with a CDL, you know, that's brand spanking new, that just got picked up by a recruiter. What we're doing here today and what we're doing with transparency and the new deal and the new paradigm, it's going to make life better for him. And moving forward in his career, he's going to be able to take care of his family better than he can under the current paradigm. Yeah, and again, the new deal is all voluntary. So, you know, all I know, if, if, if a broker wasn't going to be transparent with me and the other one was totally transparent, I'm, I, I'm going with the one that's transparent. That's the one I'm going to trust. But thanks, Michael. Appreciate it. Let's go to Texas, area code 325. Uh, go ahead. Welcome to the show. Oh, let's see. He just dropped off. Let's see. Well, he held on there for a while too. Uh, okay, we'll go to uh, go to. Uh, wait, let me see where I'm at here. Boy, got a bunch of them up here. Texas area code two one zero. Go ahead. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Good evening, everybody. Hey, Jeff. How are you? Can you hear me? Yeah. 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 Go uh, ahead. Okay. Can you hear me? All right. Uh huh. Yeah. What's up with the delay in the uh, in the blog talk going on tonight. I wasn't sure if you could hear me or not. So anyway, uh, yeah, this is Jeff. How you doing? Doing good. What's going on? Oh, not a whole lot. Just here in Dallas, waiting for my truck to get worked on. Just out here soaking up some sun, so hopefully the wind isn't going to bother you guys on that end. No, I don't hear anything. Okay, good. Anyway, I just wanted to explain my, my position on things. I'm a uh, Currently a company driver, but I have worked as an owner-operator, mechanic, and also a broker agent for a period of time. So I've got a pretty well-rounded background in this industry. And one thing I wanted to point out is I think transparency is a good idea to, uh, in a way to build trust between a broker and a carrier. But I think also uh, what needs to take place is uh, there's these misconceptions cleared up with, uh, about brokers. I mean, you have a lot of these drivers that you'll hear out here claiming that a 
broker will, uh, you know, get a, a load tender by the shipper for $8,000 for a load of toilet paper. And, yeah, by the time it gets down to the truck, it's hauling it. It's only get the drop that owner operator, so we get paid 500 bucks to all the load. I mean, uh, you know, it's, there's a lot of misconceptions about that because I've seen what shippers offer. I mean, shippers are out to, out to make a profit, too. When you look at uh, the cost of a uh, product and you break down the total cost, uh, total expense and everything, uh, maybe about uh, 2 or 3% of the total cost of that product uh, goes towards uh, transportation costs. I mean, I would uh, definitely... Uh, you know, debunk the uh, these uh, was it uh, theories that some of these people have about the brokers getting so much money off these loads and everything. I mean, that's not to say it's never happened, but I mean, I see what shippers uh, tender loads for and everything. Whenever I've had a broker mount myself, so I mean, it's uh, and you know, a broker has to try to you know work in some margin profit, just like if you're going to go buy a car from a dealership. The car dealership's not going to be able to sell you the. Uh, car for the same price they uh, purchased it for from the manufacturer. They have to build some kind of profit into it, too. And I can tell you, not to, uh, not to sound like I'm totally defending brokers here, but it does take a hell of a lot of work to, uh, for a broker to obtain a customer base. I mean, I know how it is to build one up, and uh, it's not an easy job to do at all. You've got to build trust in that customer that your freight's going to get their freight's gonna get moved and everything else. So it's just... Uh, it's a lot. It's a lot harder to be a broker than people think it is, and I think it deserves some profit. But uh, to say that they're making thousands of dollars off of every load that they broker out is uh, just ludicrous. I mean, I wish people would quit thinking about thinking like that, you know, and actually understand the facts instead of just uh, jump to conclu- premature conclusions like they do. Well, you know, I had a question, and um, it, what when you were at Nats, uh, James? And I know you spoke with a lot of owner-operators. What was their biggest uh, complaint about brokers? Believe it or not, the the biggest complaint was lack of information. There was uh, some people who stood up when we did a a little question-and-answer session, and, you know, I said, what what don't you like about brokers? And, you know, there's always going to be people who just hate brokers, and I, I tell those people. And why do you do business with brokers? You know, well, I don't want a deadhead, and it's lesser of two evils. You know, there's always going to be people who are just, you know, negative-minded. Uh, but, you know, this particular um, one person I'm thinking of that, you know, that popped up, he said, you know, I just don't get all the information. And I'm treated in a way that, you know, I should just shut up and do what I'm told. And that's not a partnership relationship. That's not treating somebody with, you know, decency and respect and dignity. I wouldn't treat my internal partner like that, so why would I treat my external partner like that? You know, and if we're all on the same mission here to deliver the freight, then why wouldn't we treat each other better? And so his his question or his point was exactly what we're talking about. I don't get the information. Well, then maybe brokers need to be transparent so you get the information. You know, and he was talking more than just, you know, uh, rate information. He's talking about what the load is, you know, what I'm going to be hauling, and, you know, but it, it seems to be there's a general lack of good communication skills in the industry to begin with. Uh, but, you know, and we can work on that as, as an industry, but, but when it comes to this rate, he was saying, I'm not getting the information. I, I don't know how much of this I'm getting. And that's where we're looking at kind of filling the blanks. Okay. All right, appreciate it, Jeff. Let's go. Uh, 325 is back here. Got a lot of callers from Texas. Uh, area code 325, Texas. Welcome back. 
Hello, caller from 325 in Texas. Okay, he's not answering, Donna. Yeah, he's having a problem, I think, with his phone because he's writing me on Facebook. Oh, okay. Well, who's that, Robert? Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, Robert, can you hear us? Okay, not not. He might just be having some problems with his phone. Yeah, not, well, I'll keep him up. I'll try again here later. But anyway, Jeff, uh, Jeff, back to you. Did you have a Did you have a question for James or anything, or you have anything else you wanted to share? Um, not really. I mean, I think actually his idea is good. I mean, because I know, like myself, for example, kind of on a silver token, I was leased to Landstar a long time ago. Whenever we uh, would work with an agent, we knew what the uh, uh, total bill uh, was going to be paying on the load and everything, by the t- and uh, what our percentage was that we got out of it. So that right there gave me a lot of transparency. And like, say, if we're pulling a uh, a Landstar uh, trailer, for example, we get paid a uh, certain percentage of the load. Or if we had uh, our own trailer, it was a little bit higher. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there was a little bit of transparency going like that. But, I mean, I think if, uh, like you mentioned earlier, if the uh, brokers decide on their own voluntary to uh, implement transparency in their transactions, I think it's actually going to, you know, create a lot more business for them, especially when it comes to the level of trust. Yeah, and and, and that's the that's that's where I see the beauty in all this. I mean, it's all voluntary, no force regulation, nothing. But if they're just up front with the driver, up front with the shipper, have nothing to hide, I don't see why anybody would not want to uh, to go with that broker. And and the ones that are really against this that I can see are the big mega brokers. So. Uh, which James is uh, finding out over in uh, in LinkedIn. Of course, he already knew. But all right, going to bring on. Uh, I'm sure this is the Reg guy from TCRGConsulting.com, Richard Wilson. Welcome to the show, Rich. Hey everybody, how you doing? Hey, hey Rich. Good. Thanks for holding on so long. Appreciate it. Just had a bunch of callers. Yeah, that's no problem. That's no problem. Let somebody else speak for a, for a change. I've been told I talk too much anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know, it is a talk show, so <laughs> if people yeah, don't talk, yeah. you know, it makes it kind of rough. <laughs> right, right. And having my own, trust me, I understand that. Uh, a couple <laughs> questions I had. Um, uh, first of all, I, I've i been a broker. I've worked for three different brokerage firms, two of which were – very uh, up and up, and one of which I can't say very much good about. Um, the term skimming comes to mind. Um, but I've noticed being in the compliance end of it, just you know, just like um, our, our host here, um, I've seen smaller carriers um, dealing with brokers, and I've kind of come up with the determination of calling them like ladder brokers. And when I say that is, um, these are people that are, you know, very reputable brokers. I've dealt with them in the past, uh, and I'm in working with a company, and I'm, you know, helping them out with their compliance as well as some of their um, uh, management issues. And I've noticed that loads going from point A to point B, generally the same load, the brokers usually have the same shippers. And the difference in prices, because the ladder brokers, I like to call them, they'll start out with, we'll say, a $1,000 load. And the first thing they do is they'll call the smaller uh, carriers that might be looking for that bad word. I do not like to use backhaul, because my Mm -hmm. opinion is if you see my truck going backwards, then it's a backhaul. As long as I'm going forward, it's a line haul. And they'll call the carrier, and they'll say, I got a load that pays $500. 
uh, I don't have anybody there right now, or no, that's not enough. And they say, okay, and then they call the next guy. Well, the next guy's hauled for him before, but he's a little bit higher, and he says, I'll pay you five and a quarter. And then he goes right up the ladder till they get to the high-end guy that holds out for, and, and has a certain percentage per mile they got to run by. And they use them as a last resort. And I've also, something else I've noticed, that during the day, loads seem to start paying better towards the end of the day when they're trying to get things covered than they were at 9, at 4 o'clock with a 5 o'clock loading time. All of a sudden, the loads are paying a couple, two, three, four hundred dollars more. Well, if they don't cover it that day, the very next day, they start out in the morning again trying to cover the load, and if for some reason it goes back to the original cost of what it was before they started, you know, and before the end of the day price. So um, this is something I think has given brokers a bad reputation, and if you're somebody that uses a, a consistent broker and you have a good working relationship with that broker, that's the broker that's going to give you the base bottom line and going to take the 12.5%, 13%, because the only thing truckers and brokers can offer is service. So you're going to depend on somebody that maybe is a little bit more expensive and you're not going to make a greatest percentage on, but he's going to get the, or she's going to get the job done for you. Um, and as a broker, I have seen that myself a lot of times. Or another thing I see is, and this is something that I really, really have watched happen, um, is a driver calls the broker and says, Hey, James, I'm in Atlanta. I'm trying to get back to Chicago. And the broker will look on the board and go, oh, i got a trucker that's looking to get back to Chicago, that load out of Atlanta. That load might pay 1900 but since he's already sitting there, needs something to get home. Um, okay, I'll offer the load to you for 1500 or for 1200 or whatever, because it seems like it's the bait and hook deal. Do you know what I'm talking about? I know, sure. I know exactly exactly what you're talking about. And I can I can tell you, Richard, that you know, I've taught freight broker rate negotiations around the country since two thousand five. And there was a time in two thousand five, two thousand six, two thousand seven before the Great Recession hit that I was doing an average of fifty classes, uh, one day introductory level classes around the country every year. So I've said the same stuff over and over again, and I could tell you what brokers look for. And, you know, some of this you know from, from having done brokerage. But, you know, the point is that the old way of doing this is to use negotiation skills to try to squeeze as much as you can out of the shipper and ultimately pay the trucker as little as you can. Now, the way I taught that, there was a range and there was an ethical way to still do that so that you were still paying the truck what they're worth in the context of, of this freight rate uh, matrix or index, you know, like on transport, for instance, they have the, the rate index. Uh, you, could, you could pay the truck at the end of the range, but you would still be within the range, and therefore you could, you know, sleep well at night knowing that you didn't rip the truck off. Other right. people go, go below the range, and they risk the truck. And these are the people who are making, you know, with the fuel surcharge that they're stealing, they're making 35 40%. So, right. you know, we, we, can, we can talk about the games that we've played and that, you know, people, you know, are 
uh, falling into different categories to begin with of either good, bad, or evil broker, you know, and there are some that are out there, unfortunately. Those are the people who do commit fraud, you know, and, and are criminals, and I wish those people would just go find another industry. But we're going to, yeah, you know, but we're, we're going to have to deal with these types of people. But the best way that we can really deal with them, you know what, we don't need a high bond. You know, we, we don't even need the FMCSA to, to conduct an investigation. We can get rid of them by changing the model. We can change the paradigm. We can change the way we treat each other. We can look at ourselves as partners, as members of the same team, same theme going on here over and over again. And then those people be able to do business because they're not doing it the way the rest of us do. Right. And in and, 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 and saying that, I agree. But I also know, and you know as well, by having the, the, the authority like I do with my consulting business, I had these, um, I'm going to call them, for lack of better terms, foreign-based carriers that, like, bring people over from overseas to work for them, and they're going and they're, they're basically leasing these old 5-, 10-year-old company trucks, and they're running strictly off these loading boards, and the percentages they're running for, um, you know, they're making promises, we'll run overnight, we'll do whatever we need to do, the DOT, they, all of a sudden they start getting 78s, 80s, and 90s in their basic scores. They get a violation. Uh, somebody comes in and shuts them down, and then their brother or somebody else goes and opens another company, and then everybody puts their DOT number on the truck. Uh, and I know the government is looking right now, and I think you're well aware of it, about testing out new entry uh, companies that are coming in. Would, yep. what, do you, what is your opinion on prop and going and make be making uh brokers uh do a test out program to to understand the rules and regulations uh better and what is legal and illegal well we filed richard we filed comments as AIPBA on that uh, the testing it's called the knowledge testing uh, regulation as you know right and, so did uh, I. <laughs> yeah and and so our comments basically said <laughs> that um, if we're going to do some kind of a required class, we should keep it to a, a basic minimum amount of hours that's really dealing with the parameters that FMCSA is supposed to be getting involved with, and that is safety. So, safety and compliance, you know, right. So, you know, there's two different types of training that uh, a broker can take and probably should take. And one has to do with, you know, the regulation side. Here's the do's and don'ts. Here's Section 371. You know, uh, don't commingle your funds if operating on the business. Don't bribe anybody. You know, all that kind of stuff that's in the, you know, very simple section of the rules. Right. Uh, that's, that, that's the premise or, or that's the parameters that, you know, that we should kind of limit it to. And brokers should know how many hours truckers are allowed to drive. They should know the hours of service regulation. Anything beyond that becomes business class. And for FMCSA to dictate what business curriculum brokers should take when they know nothing about it and they acknowledge that they know nothing about it, then that makes no sense. So that should be left to the private sector. It shouldn't be compelled. 
it's something that should be, you know, you, you, it's for your own edification. If you want to do better in business, guess what? might be a good idea to go to school for this. Uh, but it, it's something that's then left to the service providers. The, the Transportation Intermediaries Association, on the other hand, has filed comments that basically say, well, we should have this class that we happen to give, and only us, by the way, because we're a right. great group, yeah. and 90-hour class, there should be a, an extensive exam. And the whole idea, in my opinion, is let's keep people down and let's not let them in the club. Because right. if they're in the club, then they can compete with the rest of us. Oh, so that, you know, we just have a, a different mentality. Totally. I, I, I totally agree with you on that. And I, know, and I know that's where that's coming from, as well as a lot of the major carriers are opening up brokerage firms that are kind of a ghost firm that you don't have any idea that they're part of the big box carriers that are trying right. to move freight cheaper um, through their brokerage operations because they just don't have the drivers or the equipment to cover everything they're contracted for. And I've, I've noticed that rising here lately a lot, and I'm seeing that. And I've noticed, uh, for example, Red Horse. Um, I didn't know it until through some work that I was doing, found out that was a direct derivative from J.B. Hunt. And J.B. Yeah. Hunt says, we don't deal with brokers. Hell no, we'll open our own. Well, you know, one of the reasons why a lot of the carriers are getting broker licenses is because of that MAP 21 provision that now has gone into effect that uh, attacks interlining and basically says that if you don't take possession of the shipment, at least in some point in the shipment, then you're acting as a broker and you need a broker license. Right, so right, yes. When we're, looking, when we're looking at the statistics, and just to throw some stats at, at some folks here, you know, on October 1st, before all hell broke loose with the broker revocations from the new bond, there were, were 21,565 uh, licensed brokers. Today, as of like mid-March, there's 14,000. And so even though we lost a whole bunch of folks and it appears like we're going back up, it's not your traditional mom-and-pop startup entrepreneurs that are becoming brokers. It's big carriers that are getting with MAP21, and they're yep. saying, oh, damn, we need to get that broker license. Absolutely. So I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, yeah, because I, I've, I've seen it on the rise here lately, and, it, and it's getting to the point where you really don't know who you're dealing with when you call where you could be dealing directly with the shipper, and that's what the big carriers are doing. Let me ask you this question, something I've had in the back of my mind for a lot of times. Contract and common carriage authority. In the old days, and it's still really in you know, place, but for some reason it seems to lost all you know, air in it. A, a common carrier must file their rates and always have had to file their rates and had to file when there was adjustment to those rates. But... Now everybody's going after contract carriage authority because you can negotiate on a load-by-load -load basis. But what I'm seeing is I'm seeing people that I check, their, uh, check them out and find out they still have common carriage authority, but their rate levels are, cha are changed based on per load. That in yeah. itself is in violation, is it not? Well, the, the, whole, the whole rates filing um, system is, is kind of obsolete now with the exception of common carriers of household goods, so essentially moving right. companies, and they're still not required to file their rates. They just have to publish a motor carrier tariff. 
Uh, right. These days, you know, if you talk to, uh, there's a really good book out by a, a motor carrier attorney named uh, Henry Seaton, or Hank Seaton, uh, Protecting Motor Carrier Interests in Contracts, and he talks about how these days we, we call it rates uh, and circulars, and, you know, the, the, the whole thing with, with common versus contract is a very interesting thing because, you know, to give folks kind of the historical background on on this Back before, quote, deregulation in 1980, it was right. very difficult for, for folks to get a common carrier authority. You had to actually go before an ALJ, administrative law judge, and, and people were selling those authorities for as much as $100,000 under a transfer r- arrangement. Because in they some cases, millions of dollars. Well, yeah, depending on the you know the actual buildup of the business, and that's nineteen you know seventy nine money that right. we're talking about. Forget about inflation, but you know the point is that uh, that over time, with these various different waves of deregulation from nineteen eighty to uh, you know the uh, sunset legislation, getting rid of the ICC in uh, nineteen ninety six, and then MAP uh, not MAP twenty one, but uh, you know, the, the last highway bill safety lieu back in uh, 2005, that actually directed the uh, FMCSA to kind of kind of bring these two levels of common versus contract together, and we're still waiting for that to happen. And right. ultimately, when, when we're looking at what is common carrier authority today, well, we no longer have a common carrier obligation to serve the public. We no longer have a common carrier cargo insurance filing, which was the basic difference since, you know, 1996 up until about two years ago when they deregulated that. Right. So when we look at common versus contract and, you know, what it used to mean versus what it means today, there's absolutely no difference in terms right. of enforcement between common and contract. Yeah. And the thing is, like you said, I mean, the reg's still there, but it's one of those dusty regs that nobody really, you know, uh, enforces. It's kind of like the speaking Spanish, you know, rule. Uh, the regulation's in there. The regulation stirs up a lot of interest and talk. But yet, look at the percentages of the people that are actually shut down because they can't. And it's minimal because yeah. the DOT doesn't know what to do with them. They don't want them under yeah. their responsibility. It's like one guy told me one time, he says, hey, we're not ICE. This ain't our job. But you have a regulation, and so it's like with the common, you know, like you said, it's there, and I, people come to me and they say, what should I get? And I said, it's $300 either way, whatever one you want, I'll get it for you. You yeah, know, it doesn't really matter unless, anymore. Unless the shipper is requiring or the broker is requiring a specific type from the carrier, it really doesn't make a difference. And the only real, you know, situation at this point is, is uh, common carriers of household goods where they do still have to file common carriers that uh, that cargo insurance. All right. Hey, hey, thanks, Richard. Donna, you're waving your hand over there. Oh, well, I just, you know, I keep getting questions on um, Facebook. Um, I have another one, um, and this is from Ben. Um, how are they going to address issues with dock detention and layover? I'm not as concerned about broker transparency as I am with the rates they offer and how long I sit at the shipper receivers uncompensated. That, that's a very good good question, and I can tell you that you know when we're talking to the folks at FMCSA, I had a very lovely discussion with Ann Farrow um, a couple of times this year so far at Matt's and at the TRB conference in Washington D.C. in January, and you know these these topics are being dealt with uh, as far as for instance uh, detention time, and, and if you go on to uh, I think it's Overdrive, uh, I think Todd Dills uh, put out something about 
covering one of uh, with one of his stories that what they're doing with detention time. It's something that is a work in progress, and and they're actually uh, issuing some kind of a uh, a rule uh, coming up soon, from what I understand, uh, on how to handle you know when the truck is getting you know, unreasonably detained at the at shipper or at the receiver. So that's something that they're looking at. Um, when, when it comes to our plan and when it comes to the private sector and the industry itself, you know, these are some of the details that we have to fill in. And, you know, we have to kind of, as an industry, talk about a, a general, you know, understanding as to what the general compensation plan should be for a driver and whether, you know, we should continue with the current model of, you know, paying a driver per mile, whether there should be some hourly compensation. You know, these are all things that can be done at a macro level, and they can also be done at a micro level in terms of your individual negotiations uh, with your, you know, particular broker. Um, one of the things that's always going to be a problem for the broker is going to be the political consideration of not wanting to upset his client, the shipper, and say, well, now you have to pay more because you made my truck wait. You know, that's not good business sense when it comes to wanting to keep that client. So there, there are all of these considerations that have to be, you know, kind of reconciled, and, and we have to kind of come up with answers. We're not necessarily going to come up with them immediately and, and you know, overnight, but the fact that we're talking about it, the fact that, you know, we're, as brokers, entertaining the notion that, you know, there's a problem there and there's something that should probably be addressed, you know, I think that's a good sign. And I think that that means that we're on the right road toward considering ourselves partners and teammates. What were you saying? Uh, how? <laughs> I think you were speaking with Richard of uh, the... How many how many brokers are there in the United States? You say fourteen thousand. Fourteen thousand currently, yeah, as of mid March. And out of those, how many are small brokers? Well, we don't we don't have the the complete breakdown on that, but an overwhelming majority of them are small brokers. Would be uh, and. I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, go well, ahead. If you look at if you look at the membership base for the trade group for big brokers, which in our opinion is PIA, Transportation Intermediaries Association, they have 1,400 members. So basically they're representing at this point 10% of the industry. And, you know, you know, from, from our perspective with our 2,500 members, which are more individual small mom and pop brokers as compared to, you know, their company members, uh, I think that kind of sheds some light on, on the answer to that question. Uh, I wouldn't say all big brokers are members of TIA, but I would say that a majority of folks who join TIA, you know, tend to be either larger brokers or uh, what, I, what I would call elitist brokers in the context of, you know, wanting to uh, kind of hide this information that we're talking about releasing. I think TIA says it has 60% small and 40% big. So if you do the math, uh, they're recognizing that they have 40% of, of 1,400 as big brokers. And are, the size of a broker, um, I keep hearing small broker, big broker. Is, is that defined through the annual revenue? I mean, define, define a small broker and a big broker. 
Well, what we what we use is um, basically some statistics that the government uh, supplies in terms of the NAICS code. So, in other words, for freight transportation arrangement, the government says that the small business uh, category is anything where the business makes $14 million or less. And it's going to vary, that figure is going to vary, vary depending on each business that we're talking about. But for our business, for brokering freight transportation arrangement, they've set it at, at $14 million. It just went up about two years ago. Before that, it was seven. So they've, they've kind of made wow. some changes recently. I, I have a question, uh, James. Um, there was a lot of action going on on LinkedIn, and a lot of the, I guess they were big brokers. Um, was there any legitimate opposition that you could read uh, uh, going on with all those comments? And believe me, there were a lot of comments. Um, I think we'll post the thread on Facebook, and, and if anybody listening is on LinkedIn, I, I, you know they might want to just go over there. And I think it's the thread with the vote um, you have on there. But anyway, was anything you read there legitimate that they were saying that why they were in opposition to this? I I didn't see. I read through pretty much everything that was on on that thread. You know, in some cases on an hourly basis, and I didn't see anything that couldn't be countered with the basic claim. But you just don't want them to know how much you're making, right? That was, right. That was, right. That was the essence of it. And you remember Donna from uh, about three weeks ago when I was giving you know some truckers a hard time, and I was saying, "But you're opposed to e-logs because the real issue is you can't fudge on your logs anymore, right?" And right. There was some right. Issues and all that kind of stuff. But you saw how I zeroed in on that, and it's the same. It's the same thing. So now, now we're going and targeting the, the you know the bigger brokers and challenging them with respect to you know entertaining this notion of transparency and i can't see them coming up with anything other than you know it's it's none of their business and it's just perpetuating this you know adversarial relationship that you know some of these people it's like i'm talking to the wall they just don't want to hear it they look at truckers as you know you know they're just People who you know they're they're just throwing loads at, and they better just shut up and do what they're told. And and it's just a horrible way to to do business. You know, we really need to change this, and we really need to you know look at each other as we're partners in business, and, and we're on the same team. Well, one of the legitimate things that I read, and um, I, you know, you could t- all tie this up into the CDL training too and forcing um, the carriers, forcing drivers to take on a lease when they're not ready. Uh, They're no more a business person. You know, they can barely drive, and and they're being forced into a lease purchase. Um, But a a lot of the, not a lot, but a couple of comments were that the um, business model that some of these owner-operators have, they're not making money uh, because of their business model, and not because of the rates, okay? So, um, I mean, and, and I think, you know, that's true to some degree. Uh, through no fault of their own, uh, I think, like I said, a lot of them are put into these, these leases, and, and they really don't have a good sense. Of course, um, there's plenty of people out there who can help them. Um, I'm, I'm thinking, Alan, right now, Eddie, Eddie helps a lot of new drivers, you know, to figure out their business plan and everything over at TripSheet Central. But 
anyway, um, that to me was pretty much the only legitimate thing that they're blaming. They're always bl- blaming the broker and not taking, you know, um, account of being accountable uh, for their own business model. But other than that, I mean, I, I didn't see anything either. Alan, did you see anything legitimate that you could pick up over at LinkedIn? Um, I know we were both over there uh, looking at it, but that was the only thing I could see. Yeah, yeah, and I, I I have a little problem with that sometimes too because I think it's so easy to to blame the driver. I think that goes on way way too often in this in you know in this industry. I mean, the driver bl- blames a broker, the broker blames a driver, and you know it's James, that us and them mentality again. Yeah, and James, I'm right along with you. You know, let's let's get over this. Uh, uh, it's the broker's fault. It's it's the driver's fault, and let's just work together as a partnership. You know, there's plenty of money to go around for everybody, James. You know, and uh, I think the model that you're you're focusing on here will, would 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 achieve that if everybody could just get away from this uh, me against them attitude. Yeah, it, it's going to take you know a lot of effort and a lot of time because there are there are people that have been in this industry as you know for many years, and they're used to the old the old way of, of doing business in this this old model and it's not a very happy friendly you know what was the term kinder kinder and gentler right you know this, this is not a, a, a very kind and gentle system that we're we're in I I went out on a limb today and you know I I called it a parasite system and you know that is aimed directly at those people that do attempt to abuse truckers and they do attempt to uh, you know, unreasonably and unjustly enrich themselves at the expense of other parties, including shippers and, and truckers, and that, that translates to us as consumers, you know, when they're doing that. And, um, you know, and, and I said we're talking about going from that parasite model to this uh, this new deal of a partnership model. And that, that upset quite a few big brokers. They don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that they, they think everything's fine. And everything's not fun. And the fact is that, you know, we, we need this change, and, and we can't continue to do business where everybody hates each other. You know, when we first came back from Matt's uh, a couple of weeks ago, and, uh, you know, we, uh, we, we, we saw that Todd Dill's article about uh, what I, I said at Matt's and talking about 12PL, one guy on there who, who really kind of stood out and, a little bit on the whacked outside, in my opinion. And he was talking about how, you know, I like brokers and I should die. <laughs> That's what we're some – of the, some of the people that are out there are, are like that. And it's the minority of the people. But, you know, we, we need to, to, to address this in a calm, reasonable, rational way. Level heads, you know, will always prevail. And there are always going to be people on both sides that are going to be kind of – you know, out there, and we got to kind of ignore those people and, and kind of hope that those people will eventually come around or just go away. But the majority of the people that, you know, that we're talking about, they've had a tough time, whether they're brokers or, you know, truckers, in dealing with each other, and we need to, to retrain them. And, you know, we, we basically need to re-educate ourselves as to how to play nice. You know, this stuff goes back to... You know, when we were all kids, you know, whether whether you made it through sandbox, you know, in nursery school, you know, we're getting back to that kind of stuff. 
we're all adults here, we're all business people, and there's a way to do this that's the right way, and there's a way to do this that's the wrong way. And when you're out there, you know, whether you're a trucker or a broker doing it the wrong way, I think you know that, and I think that when somebody like me pops up and says transparency and disclosure, the reason why you don't want to cooperate with that is because you know you're doing it the wrong way. And if everybody found out you're doing it the wrong way, then guess what? People are not going to let you back in the sand. Right, exactly. And, well, listen, we're talking about, um, you know, the New Deal and, you know, voluntary coming on board. What... um, what is it that they are to do? I mean, is there a website they go to? Do they contact you to, you know, to get on board with this and help you, you know, promote it and get it out there? I mean, uh, what is it now that uh, those who want to come on board, what is it that they uh, need to do? Well, yeah, we're, we're, like I said, we're in this setup stage, and we're very excited about, you know, what we're about to introduce for the industry and, and how we think people are going to be very uh, receptive to this. The website that we've put up, it's just kind of a, you know, a homepage that it's more about coming soon than anything else, uh, but it's 12pl.com, and 12 is spelled out, T-W-E-L-V-E, pl.com, and I promise I'll tell you what that stands for soon. Just bear with me a little okay. bit longer. And we'll, we'll All right. And, and, in fact, you know, I wouldn't be opposed, Alan, since you've been so kind to us, doing it on your show. You know, maybe we'll come back on uh, in a month or two and, and do another one of these if that, if that suits you, and uh, sure. maybe we'll release that information, you know, live uh, when we're ready. We're in the process of getting the, the license uh, reinstated because guess what? We were one of those 8,200 brokers that got revoked uh, when the bond went up, so we're in the process of finalizing our $75,000 bond and uh, and soon you'll as you watch that site 12pl.com then uh, you'll see that you can start to register if you're a trucker if you're an independent trucker or a small carrier uh, with us and, and you can you know say hey I want to work with you and I want to learn more about this and you can also join our discussion group on LinkedIn we got a special place that's set up um, just for folks who want to learn more about this model and about business with us, and uh, so they'll they'll uh, you'll see a link on 12pl.com shortly for that as well within the next week or so, and um, you know a lot of people start to join that group, and so you know that's that's how it's going to start to evolve, and then as we release this, we're expecting a lot of other small brokers to, to follow suit. You know, somebody was, uh, one of the big brokers were saying, you know, uh, today on LinkedIn, you're the president of the AIPBA and you're against brokers. And I said, no, I'm not. I'm not against brokers. I'm going to help small and mid-sized brokers take your business away. And they're going to like it. And he had nothing he could say to in response to that. Well, I, I have another question um, here for you, James. Now that you're talking about that, um, let's see. Do you have any shippers on board yet, and how widespread is their freight base, regional, national? So I guess people are interested at all already uh, in yeah, this. Yeah, we're, we're, we're in the process of recruiting, uh, you know, uh, for both truckers and, and, you know, trying to take on shipper clients. Um, one of the things that we're going to do that's going to be really big, and uh, I'll announce this now. I haven't, you know, really put this out there yet, so here's the first on your show. And that is that we're going to do a mass marketing uh, from this point forward now until September for our SBTC, Small Business and Transportation Coalition, Industry at Sea event. 
and you may recall that we did that last year, and uh, we had some people attend, but we're going to have a lot more this year, and we're going to ha- heavily focus on shippers and in, in uh, integrating the 12PL uh, business and the transparency concept, and we're going we're gonna to have a shipload filled with shippers. So if you're an independent owner-operator or you're a small carrier or you're a broker and you want to meet shippers, this is going to be a great place to do it. We're going to be uh, hitting uh, advertising up on uh, NITL, National Industrial Transportation League, and uh, a whole bunch of other uh, shipper-oriented type of sites. And so that's going to be how we're going to target those folks. And we're going to say, are you ready for the new deal? Because, you know, what this translates to truckers is more money. But what this translates into when it comes to shippers is cost containment and controlling the businesses. Well, I know we just uh, joined today the um, – let me see. I don't want to mess up the name – Small Business uh, Transportation Coalition. So um, – you know, if, if people want to join that, I mean, we have the link on the website, but um, where can they go for that? Yeah, they can uh, They can go to the um, URL smalltransportation.org, and that's set up as a sign-up page. And uh, if you do that, then it will automatically take you to our LinkedIn uh, group for SBTC, and uh, you can get there, you know, through regular channels as well, but... Uh, this will then make you a formal member of SBTC, dues-paying member, and uh, you know we're we're going to be looking to expand benefits for SBTC as well. And ultimately, we're we're taking AI PBA to the next level by doing this by saying you know we're not just looking out now for small brokers, but we're looking out for all the small players in the industry. And the SBTC is going to be the organization that puts on our industry at sea event, and that's industry at sea dot com that they can go check out. It's going to be a three-night cruise to the Bahamas, uh, relatively low cost, a very limited amount of time you'll be on the ship. And uh, for those folks who can break away and and actually uh, do this, it'll be an excellent opportunity for them to further embrace this concept of partnerships. That's going to be the theme of the whole uh, event. And we're calling it, instead of symposium, we're calling it a symposium, as you can see. And, uh, you know, that, that'll be uh, your opportunity to network with folks uh, all across the industry uh, on the high seas uh, on a nice little trip from Port Canaveral to um, Florida, of course, to, uh, to the Bahamas and back. Excellent. That's, uh, that's good to know. Um, I'm trying. I have I have a bunch of scribble in front of me, James. Forgive me because people are just you know asking me all kinds of questions. One more question. We have I know uh, Michael I, is Michael on the line. I think that's area code five zero three. He he's got big tears coming down right. on Facebook because our t- <laughs> time's winding down. I don't have a five zero three, and I have uh, more Texas, Montana. Uh, they don't have their hands up though. Six one eight just popped up, but no hand. Uh, let's see, 618 is Illinois, but no, no, no 503. Okay. And okay. No, no more hands, everybody's listening, so. Oh, okay, okay, well. Do you have one more question to get in, or, because our time's winding down here. Okay, let me, let me, out of all these, let me see if I can pick, pick one. Um, all right, we did that one. Rich already asked his question. Um, oh, Okay. Uh, you know, and I, I don't know if this is off the wall or what. Could you tell me what what is the deal with the cheap freight? 
does this have anything to do with the brokers, or is this a an industry problem uh, with drivers just um, accepting, you know, cheap freight? Well, how how would you address that to people? Well, you know, it depends on who you talk to and who who's answering the question, I guess, whether it's a trucker or, or a broker. But but ultimately, I mean, all of this stuff is cyclical, first of all. It, it all goes in cycles. It's all based on supply and demand. It's all based on, you know, this notion of uh, capacity versus volume. We just saw in January and February and March rates went, you know, out of control because of the fact that, you know, the snow hit unusually high in the north and, and ultimately, you know, there were storms like every, every other week. And so, you know, that, that kind of stuff already comes into play. But I think when, when the concept of cheap freight is, uh, is being thrown out there, it really is tied into this notion of broker offer rate. I think Richard was kind of alluding to it a little while ago when he was on, and he was kind of saying, you know, uh, that there's this discussion about a broker offering an independent truck or a carrier, quote, a backhaul rate. What's a backhaul rate? Well, backhaul rate is a rate, it's really a euphemism, it's a rate that's offered by a broker, and he's basically saying the reason why it's so low is because I'm involved. And you would have made more if you dealt with the shipper directly and you went, you know, on your line haul, but because you're dealing with me, it's a backhaul rate. And that's a kind of a psychological way for a broker to try to get a trucker to accept a lower rate. The trucker would call that cheap freight. So I think if we tie in this model about transparency, it's going to disperse all of this, and it's going to really do away with this this concept of cheap freight. There's not going to be cheap freight unless it's directly tied into what's actually happening, you know, with respect to supply and demand and capacity versus volume. If it's a broker who's been trying to impose a lower rate on a trucker by you know, in terms of trying to earn a high commission, then that's not going to be possible anymore because everybody's going to be doing this transparency. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. I, I just wanted to clarify that because that that gets thrown around a lot, and you wonder, okay, well, somebody's moving it. If if, if it's cheap, somebody's somebody's hauling it, and why are they hauling it? And I know a, a lot of drivers, you know, get upset with the people who are hauling it. Like you shouldn't accept it. You're 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 making it bad for the rest of us. So, um, like Richard, mm-hmm. I was going to say, like Rich, like Richard said, you know, uh, when when it comes to the load board, there are games that are played. You know, in terms of knowing how desperate a trucker is, you know, in terms of where he is and where he's trying to go, and and there are ways. There are there are a multitude of ways I I could teach people how to be evil brokers and how to do this the exact wrong way and cheat, lie, and steal we're not going to do that. What we're going to do is we're going to take the high road and we're going to say we're going to treat each other with decency and dignity and respect and we need to recognize that we're all part of that same team. And, you know, I think uh, an element of compassion for one another also, um, you know, you have to be able to sleep at night knowing that the person who just, you know, worked for how many hours to get this load um, has a family and, and, you know, wife, kids, and all kinds of situations, just like everybody else does. So, yeah. I, you know, I, I think that element, you know, needs to come back in, in all our lives, you know. Just uh, decency, I guess, is, is what I'm, uh, I'm thinking of. 
I mean, you know, the idea is that we're all in it to make money, and there's ways to make money. And like I said, you can do it in volume when you're a broker. And, and once we release this, you know, the unfortunate circumstance that's probably going to result from this is I'm going to make a lot of money because people are going to say, you know what, this guy knows the right way to do this, and I want to be part of that team, and I want to be partners with that guy. And I'm going to follow what he's doing, and I'm going to work with him, and I'm going to serve his shippers, and the shippers are going to say, you know what, We've been dealing with these mega brokers. We don't know how much they're taking. So if this guy's going to tell us we can control our costs, we're going to do this with him. And as we start to make money and other people say, you know what, I want to do that too, then we're going to create a new industry, and that's what we're setting out. Well, listen, our, our time's winding down, but um, I want to get one more call in here real quick. We don't have much time, but Dan Matuli of TransportWatch.com, um, he just popped up. He uh, so I just want to give him a few minutes here, and then we've got to kind of wrap it up here. But, Dan, welcome to the show. What's going on? Uh, it's uh, nice to, to be here and talk with all you guys again. Uh, James, my hat's off to you. You're, Thanks, you're a crusader of the highest, of the highest level. Um, I, have to, I have to say, as a broker who's been, who's been operating uh, for you know, 10 years under my own authority and for 20 years as, uh, you know, in the business, uh, what, what you're, I'm interested in hearing what you have to say. I, I truly am. I'm interested in hearing about your 12PL program. You know, as, as you were well aware on, in our Facebook conversation earlier, I had, had put out what my numbers were for my business over the course yeah. of the last 10 years. And yeah, I, I saw I that. I don't have anything to be. I don't have anything to be ashamed of. You know, when you when you talk about, I have I have done this level of business, and I have provided or helped provide a platform for success for up to twenty people over the course of the last ten years. And I've I've done this and I've done that and I've and I've made overall about a twelve and a half percent margin and it's and it's not a ton of dough, at, but there are times when some of my agents will make far less than twelve percent. Sometimes they'll make far more than twelve percent, but in my experience throughout all these years and I and again I allude to the same things that I alluded to in our Facebook conversation you know we as brokers don't have the best the best standing in the industry for whatever reason maybe it's deserved to some extent but it's not not everybody is a bad broker some of us are there with the right intentions. Some of us are there, and we give the, the carriers the the rates that they feel are fair, and we pay our bills on time. And that's, I think, that's almost the ideal. And and I, I I applaud your your efforts. I hope you're in it for the long run, because even. Even as a small businessman like myself with a small brokerage, I'm reticent to 
to allow a whole bunch of access to what is being made on, on one particular load. Now, again, do you want to know what I made over the course of the last 10 years? Sure. Here it is. I'll show you. I'll, I'll print you out a deal. It shows that I made 12%, which in, in previous conversations I was surprised to learn was pretty normal for a small brokerage. Yeah. The idea of, of making 22% is, you know, it would be phenomenal, and, and I'd have a much easier go of things. But that's not my philosophy. You know, I... I we try to to give the carrier what they need, and and still make a profit enough for ourselves to make this thing go. That's and what is your type. company, Dan? I know you have Transport Watch, but you also have a, a my, another the company. The name of my brokerage is TFI Logistics. And okay. you know, throughout the last ten years, we've had our ups and downs. We've we've had points where we've been. 10 days over on our pay and it it hurts you know because we we as as like as, as any other brokerage does we have to make a decision every day on whether or not we're going to extend credit to this person or that person or the other person and we've we've taken our share of losses but there's never been a person there's never been a trucking company that's ever lost a dime on us Right, and, and so you're all for this, then? Well, I'm I'm all for letting people know how much I've made over the course of a period of time. Am I am I really in a great big hurry to tell everybody how much our margin is on every load that we move? I don't think I'm as a businessman alone. I don't think I'm prepared to have someone else dictate to me how much I'm allowed to to make unless unless they are prepared to say, okay, you're only making 7%, 5% on this. You deserve to make 15%. So I'm going to take, you know, I'm going to take a cut on my side so that you can, so that you can make, a reasonable profit on on the, or a reasonable margin on the load. I don't think, by and large, that the carriers are going to go for that. I, you know, I, I again, I applaud your efforts. I truly do. I just, I think that human nature is going to come into it, and and there, these a lot of these people don't don't feel that we should be making fifteen percent, and that's just the way human nature is. Well, if they understand the work that's involved and the risk, and and there's a lot of factors involved, and I think James, you had said that you were going to explain that to people, that you know they can, the uh, there's two sides to this coin, and they have to understand that the brokers, once you realize, you know, that the legitimate and honest and people of integrity, you know, are out to make an honest living. Also, once there's a trust established. I don't think people would mind um with the 15% uh because they're getting they they're at ease they're not worried and I think that's another good thing about your other website um Transport Watch because you know people can actually report not just bad experiences but 
good experiences also, good brokers. So, I mean, I, 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 um, I think once the trust is established again, Dan, and, you know, I could be wrong, uh, but I don't think that that's going to be such an issue. Yeah, and, well, I, I've, I've got to wind it down here, but thanks, Dan. But, James, that's uh, you're not really um, – I think, you know, Dan missed a lot of the show here, but, I mean, everybody can go to 12pl.com. That's where you'll be putting up the uh, updates and everything and links to, to further your cause here. And um, uh, our time is winding down here. But, listen, I really appreciate you coming on. And if there's anything that uh, Donna and I can do to help you, just just yell at us and let us know. It's been my pleasure, and I thank you for having me on again and, and look forward to being back. Yeah, we'll have the replay up on this also. And um before we before we go, is there is there any last thing you wanted to to shout out to anybody? Any you know, last notion? Yeah, I I just think that, you know, we're we're talking about changing the way people think and the way they feel. And that's a really, you know, uh deep deep thing that we have to to deal with here. And so, in order for that to happen, you know, we're going to have to show a, a really good program and we're prepared to do that we know there's going to be challenges and uh and i think that uh, we are up to the challenge and and we look forward to uh as 12pl servicing our shippers and uh and showing a new deal to uh to trucks great well, all right sounds great good show. yeah listen really appreciate it and uh like i said again just let us know if there's anything we do to help uh uh, don't have much time. Take a quick break. We'll be right back, and we'll wrap up this broadcast of Truth About Trucking Live. Hang with us. You're listening to Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Alan Smith will be right back. Heads up, truckers. Are you looking for deals on trucks, trailers, parts, or equipment? Or maybe you need to sell something truck-related. Well, there's a great spot on the web where truckers deal with other truckers. No middlemen involved. That's why we call it TruckerToTrucker.com. There's no charge at all for looking. And if you want to place an ad for what you're selling, it's just $19.95. And it runs till it sells. So whether you're buying or selling, it's time to log on and take a look. TruckerToTrucker.com. Check it out. That's TruckerToTrucker.com. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here with the Truth About Trucking Live, and I want to tell you about TruckerLawyers.com. TruckerLawyers.com helps drivers with their legal needs, and they specialize in workers' compensation, trucking accidents, employment law, and other areas, but they never work for trucking companies. TruckerLawyers.com arms you with important information regarding workers' compensation and your legal rights, and they are also available to help you find assistance for additional legal issues. This includes determining how to to get you the best benefits possible for your situation. The website truckerlawyers.com is a resource where you can learn more about your legal rights as a driver. Feel free to continue the social media conversation by liking them on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash truckerlawyers and follow them on Twitter as at truckerlawyers. Call them to talk through your questions at 1-800-736-5503. And when you call truck TruckerLawyers.com. Be sure to mention that you heard about them on Truth About Trucking Live. There's a lot of copycats out there, but you know, there's only one. Truth About Trucking Live. Now, back to the show. 
All right. Thanks again to Mr. James Lamb of the AIPBA for joining us this evening. You can follow, uh, keep track of how this is all going on 12pl.com. That's spelled out 12pl.com. And also uh, an easy way is come right back to this show because we have the links to uh, James's uh, new deal right there in the description of the show. Easy way to, to uh, keep track of all this. So, Hey, thanks to our callers, listeners on the line, those in the chat, appreciate it. And be sure to bookmark us and add us to your favorites. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter under Ask the Trucker. And join in on our blog at askthetrucker.com. So until next time, on behalf of Donna Smith, askthetrucker.com, truthabouttrucking.com, Blog Talk Radio, and Truth About Trucking Live, I'm Alan Smith. Drive safe, and thanks for listening. Driving these rigs since 79 Never got a ticket, never crossed the line Dinner's on the table, but it's gonna get cold Gotta get going, I've got freight too low Well, I was running through Atlanta doing 58 A four-wheeler cut me off, so I slammed my brakes Well, the truck went left, but the trailer threw right And I saw my life flash before my eyes I'm just trying to make a living Running the road Loving my family from a cell phone Nobody understands Can't get no helping hand Lord have mercy on the The trucking brand I was fighting the wheel, and the next thing I know, I hit the sidewalk, and over I go. Falling so fast, I had no time to scream. Burning hot metal flying all around me. Well, I laid there for a minute, living out of my head, not knowing if I was alive or dead. Highway Patrol said, let me give you a hand And he laughed and said, son, you better check your pants I'm just trying to make a living Running the road Loving my family from a cell phone Nobody understands, can't get no helping hand Lord, have mercy on the the trucking brand at me and my burning rig checked out the damage that was done to the bridge feeling a little crazy and dizzy in the head barely heard the words that officer said ten thousand dollar fine and your cdl is gone better call your mama to come take you home three million miles and never a glitch The four-wheeler only got a slap on the wrist I'm trying to make a living Running the road Loving my family from a cell phone Nobody understands
the trucking brand. Oh, the trucking brand. Lord, have mercy on the, the trucking brand. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.